Hey, you guys, welcome back to the So Lux Life podcast. I'm super excited about tonight's episode. It is the week of Christmas. Notice we've gotten into our holiday gear. This was so last minute. Justin could have joined us, but we didn't tell him until like we got on here. So don't mind him being in his, you know, formal professional wear. We love to see it. We're going to play a short intro video. Make sure you guys like, share, comment. Definitely tell me with your comments and your questions. You know, Justin said he's an open book for you guys tonight. So stay tuned. Welcome to the So Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. the intro because it just never gets old to me. I probably need to update it in 2021. <laughs> so how are you, Justin? I'm great. I'm great. How are y'all? We're good. Thank you so much for coming on here with us today. Um, you know, I kind of asked him. He was so willing and I'm just so thankful that he took the time out of his busy schedule to join us because if you're real, you know, it can get super, super busy. Um, I'm kind of new to the game. He's a vet in the game. He's going to tell us some tips about real estate and talk about life. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. How are you, Justin? Tell us a little bit about you, like where you grew up. Yeah. And so first of all, again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I really appreciate it. When you asked, I was definitely, um, you know, definitely ready and willing. So I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, I'm originally from a little small country place called Burnt Corn, Alabama. So many people don't think that that's a real place, but it is. So it's about an hour south of Montgomery and about an hour north of Mobile. So I came to Birmingham in 2006 to go to UAB. So that's how I ended up in Birmingham. Finished there in 2010 and I stuck around, uh, did a couple jobs locally, worked for AT&T in their sales department, ITT Tech as an educational recruiter. And prior to getting into real estate and kind of while I first got into real estate, I was in the nonprofit world working for an organization called Growing Kings. So it's a mentoring program for at-risk males in the Birmingham City Schools. And I love what I was doing. But nonprofit is also nonprofit for the people that work there too. So <laughs> it's like I like what I'm doing, but the the pay is not cutting it. So real estate was something I was always just interested in, and I said now is a great opportunity. So I jumped in, and here I am. Here you are. So do you absolutely love it? Yeah. So. One of the things about real estate, it definitely keeps you on your toes, as you already know. No two deals are the same. No clients are ever the same. There are always different challenges that you're facing every day. So you're always problem solving, working through situations. Some of the craziest stuff that you'll probably ever see will be in real estate. Being a mentor, a counselor for everything that people have going on. Oh, all that. <laughs> so how long have you been doing real estate? How long has it been? How many years? So I've been in the business six years now. I got my license in September of 14. So when you got in it, were you doing it full time or did you kind of have like your job on the side as well? Or you just kind of jumped out there. Yeah, so I was still working at the nonprofit. Uh, but the way that our schedule was set up at the nonprofit, we were going in the schools throughout the day. But I really wasn't on a clock there. You know, we kind of just went in and did our sessions and we had time to do whatever else we needed. So I was really kind of full time at both. So I'm interested in that. You work with at-risk males in the Birmingham area. Um, so did you build many relationships with the males that you were working with through the nonprofit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a lot of my business, has come from a lot of the mentors that I recruited to the organization or to work with the organization, as well as I've gotten an opportunity to see a lot of those young men 
either get to high school because we may have been working with them when they were in fourth and fifth grade. And now when I get a chance to go into the schools for other opportunities, I get a chance to see them and their high school juniors, seniors. And I'm like, man, I remember you, you in fourth and fifth grade. So it's, yeah, I have had an opportunity to build a lot of relationships and a lot of those relationships have been able to transfer over into real estate. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like an ongoing thing. So you kind of tie what you were doing before, kind of into what you're doing now. Um, so what would you say some of your biggest challenges have been with like the transition into real estate full time? Yeah, so when you're coming from, you know, I guess if you were to say a nine to five, it's a lot different versus getting into an entrepreneurial type career. You know, you're trying to get your feet under you. You're trying to balance uh, working all the time, trying to get your business going, uh, being everywhere to get your face out there and for people to know who you are and connect with new people and all of those things. And then there's a whole another financial component to that. So you're normally used to getting a, a ongoing check, whether it's big or small, you're kind of used to consistent money coming in. Yeah. Versus being in real estate, you may not close a deal for, especially as a new agent, you may not close a deal for months. And even when I got my license, even though I got my license in September of 14, I didn't have my first closing until April of 15. So I had a long span of just trying to figure it out without having you know any significant money coming in. Oh, wow. So did you kind of grasp on some mentors um, during that time to kind of help you learn the real estate game? Yeah. So when I first got into business, I was at a smaller family owned company. So I got a chance to kind of grasp on to some of the agents there to get a, a good foundation. And then from there, eventually I made a transition over to Keller Williams. So some of those agents at that initial company really kind of helped me get my feet under me with showing me the ropes, allowing me to tag along with them from time to time to just see what they were doing, working me through certain situations like how do I get through this contract or what do I need to say when I get this person? All of those entry things that you know we try to work ourselves through just so we can look professional from the beginning. We're like, man, I still don't have a clue what I'm doing yet. I promise I'm calling Steven every day like, Steve, like, what's this? <laughs> I'm like, I know you can talk to He's like, nah, like, you're good. Like, because I'm always telling him, like, Steve, I need some training. I need some training. I need some training. He's like, look, the training you're going to get is getting out there and getting your feet wet. Like, just stay with it. <laughs> and it's yeah, a slow It's definitely on-the-job learning experience. Yes. Literally. Um they kind of had me at first because I was telling him, like, look, I'm going to give you six months. If I don't sell a house within my first six months, like, it's a wrap. I'm going to go back to the corporate world and just do what I was doing. But um, it definitely teaches you patience. So what what are some traits and characteristics that real estate has taught you over the years? So, yeah, patience is definitely one. Um, you, you have to be patient because there are going to be a lot of things in this process that you cannot control and getting frustrated about it and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it you have to learn to have patience um, even with some of the people that you're working with from time to time they may change their mind about certain things and that's quite natural but you're, you're still trying to work through all of that to help them get to where they want to go However, there are a lot of challenges along the way. And you're like, continue to work through it, have some patience, all of those things in order. I don't know if it's like my internet or something's kind of stuck. Chris, can you? I hear you. I don't know what happened to Justin. Can you hear me, Justin? <laughs> Oh, someone did make a comment that said patience is the process to success, and that's so true. Um, I think you're back. Are you okay? I'm sorry about that. I, my uh, I was connected to the wrong internet source, so <laughs> technology is something new every day, right? Because you know I what I'm just 
Yeah, sure. Okay, so we're much better now. I don't have a lag. We're we're good now. Okay. Oh yeah. I have a question, Justin. So, like you were saying, um, like when you get into real estate, um, it takes a while for you to, um, took a while for you to, like to sell your first home. Mm -hmm. So, do you advise for people to have like a backup plan or another job? that they're still working on just, you know, if you have that type of person who needs, if they're their own sole provider income-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is is wise, especially if you have other responsibilities to take care of, to make the transition, like to, to work yourself through the transition. So that means that if I have a, a normal nine to five job or whatever that looks like, let me go ahead and kind of identify what does it cost me to live every month? Mm -hmm. So I know what my expenses are and I know what I need to have coming in and start building that nest egg so I can make that transition full time and not have to worry about if I don't make a sale today that I'm not going to be able to eat. Right. That's good advice. Yeah, because there, there have been times where I was like, man, if this don't close, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I'm telling you, I've been on edge like way because it's just really one of those trust the process type ordeals. Like if you stay focused and stay committed on the course, you really have to trust that it's going to work out. Um, but I wouldn't advise anybody to jump out there. You don't have any type savings or no money put back. Well, for some people, that's that works for them. It's like, you know, I burned the bridge, I burned the boat, I burned everything else. So I got to make it work. When you're in a position like that, when your back is up against the wall, either you're going to sink or swim, and most people are not going to allow themselves to sink, so they'll figure it out. And some people say you work harder when you know that that's the only thing that you have. I think you do. I think yeah. you do. Because you know that you don't have any other option. Like, I got to make this work. And you will, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into it in order to make it work, to stay afloat. I feel like that's me, because, like, I do photography on the side. And so sometimes I don't take jobs because I know I also teach. So I know I still have my teaching income coming mm -hmm. in. So I feel like, well, hey, I don't feel like working this weekend. I'm not taking anybody. This right. <laughs> yeah. And see, I'm at the point now I'm taking like every client that comes my way. I'm not at the point where I can kind of say like, hey, I'm going to take off. No, it's kind of like a seven days a week type thing. Oh, yeah. It's it's up front. It's seven days a week, 365. <laughs> I mean, you you know, you put some parameters in place like, you know, you're not answering the phone probably at 10 o'clock at night, stuff like that, just so you can keep your sanity. But <laughs> just oh, from a grind perspective. What do you do to set like those boundaries for like work and your home life? Yeah. So when I first started, if we take it all the way back, I was bad at setting those boundaries. Like I was just like Crispin was saying, like, it's just go, 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 because I'm trying to get it. However, I had to get better at that. Uh, so now, like I'm an eight to eight person. So you may be, if you can catch me between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., we're good. You call me after 8 p.m., you won't get me. You know, I'll call you back the next morning. Um, Sundays are my off day. I'll work Saturday, but Sundays are my off day. The only reason I will work on a Sunday is if, like, for instance, if we have uh, something that's going on where I'm not able to do something during the week, mm -hmm. and I take a day during the week, then I maybe will work on Sunday, but nine times out of ten, you can't get me to do anything on Sunday. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. And I need to do better by setting those boundaries because I promise I find myself clients texting me at 10 o'clock. I'm texting them back and we having like a full-blown conversation. Oh, yeah, you'll I'm be up to 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> I told you about that. Yeah, like my sister gets on to me and she'll be like, well, you got to start setting boundaries with these people because they will like work you all day if you let them. Um. So speaking of which, I remember like we follow each other on social media and I saw like around Thanksgiving you posted this emotional story about you being in this wreck. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Is that a sensitive subject for you to talk about? No, 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 no. So you know, those are the things that make you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my senior year in high school, um, I was so I played piano growing up. That was my job. I didn't, we did I didn't have to too. Work. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's we'll see. We we already got a connection. 
So yeah, I played piano growing up and um, I was coming home from church on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I kind of knew I was sleepy that day because I had been up over the weekend, you know, had basketball games over the weekend, hanging out, stuff like that. So when I got home, when I was going to get home, I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to kind of, you know, take me a little Sunday afternoon now. Next thing I know, it's like Tuesday and I'm in the hospital. So, you know, from the time that I was on the way home, you know, I end up veering off the road, hit a tree. Like the engine in my car literally was sitting in my passenger seat. So if somebody had been in the car with me, they would have been dead. Or if I had to hit the tree any other way, I would have been dead. Um, so, you know, it was really big deal. Had a lot of a lot of damage, a lot of injuries from that. I was out of school probably for about three months and end up working all, you know, getting through all of that type of stuff. That was definitely a, a learning experience. I think that day I kind of knew, I always knew that um, my dad's a pastor. So I just kind of always knew that God had a purpose for me. But that day, that's when I, you know, after I kind of got through all that and, you know, got back to normal that's when i knew i was like i was supposed to be dead in an accident and there was a reason that he didn't let me die you know so that means that he has a lot for me to do while i'm here and i gotta put my foot on the gas in order to make sure that i do everything that i'm supposed to do i think that's probably up until now that has been one of my biggest fears in life is passing away and not reaching my fullest potential no oh, i know Thank God you're still alive. So yeah. that would have definitely been an offer to me. Like, Lord, I'm finna change my life. I'm finna live right, <laughs> right back. But you know, you're in high school and you just like, you, you kind of at that age, you 16, 17 years old. You don't have no clue about life at that point. You you know, you still just kicking it for real. Just chilling in your mama's right. house. Yeah. Not a care in the world. Exactly. Wow. So did that kind of cause some type of like PTSD for you driving after that? Because I know a lot of people say when they get in like a bad car accident, it kind of takes them a while to be comfortable driving again. No, it didn't. Um, like when I was able to actually go back to school, you know, I drove back to school. <laughs> so it didn't. Was it it, it night, really did like late at night when this happened? It was about five o'clock in the afternoon. So it wasn't quite dark yet. It was probably still a little bit earlier, uh, but it was, you know, starting to get dark at that point, but it wasn't totally dark yet. How far away from home were you? Five minutes. Wow. Yeah. So what caused the accident? Do you remember? Like, do you remember like something coming no, I out? I think I just fell asleep at the wheel. Cause uh -huh. like I said, I, from me leaving church that day, up until that Tuesday when I woke up in the hospital, like I don't have any memory of what happened. Just only stories of what people have told, what my parents have told me, what some of my friends have told me. You know, I was, they said I was conscious and I was talking, but I can't tell you anything that happened between Sunday and Tuesday. Mm, wow. So you had a couple broken bones, any like head injuries? In yeah. So I um, broke my femur in my right leg. So, um, they put a titanium rod in my right leg and screws in my hip, fingers on both hands, um, you know, and then I ended up long term from the impact a couple, like maybe about a month and a half later, I end up rupturing the uh, main artery in my right eye. So I end up having to come to UAB about two months later after that and get a surgery that they really had not done before in order to, to fix that problem. Like my, I don't want to get too graphic, but oh, my eyeball, crazy. yeah, my eyeball around my pupil was mm -hmm. basically protruding out of my eye socket, just full of blood. So like you could touch it, and it was just like gushy, but it was blood. like hanging out of my eye. Oh, yeah. So how's your sight now? Can you is that yeah, affect I, your vision or anything? Mm -mm. No, it didn't affect my vision or anything. Like. If nobody ever knew I had an accident, they they could probably never tell. And that's a blessing within itself. Like, I don't have any, you know, maybe that short-term memory loss, but I don't have any real um, implications. Sometimes, you know, I, my knee may hurt a little bit or hip may hurt a little bit, something like that, but nothing major from yeah. the accident that's lingering. Yeah, 
And it's about to rain outside, like your knee and stuff, where the screws. Yeah, are. when uh, for the first couple years, yeah, really? I can kind of tell. Yeah, because you know when you have something foreign in your body, like a rod or screws in your hip, stuff like that, it's not your body takes time to adjust to it. So when it will rain, my hip will ache, stuff like that. Um, you know, I couldn't really go back and play sports at a high level anymore. Like I could still play pickup ball and stuff like that, but actually like playing competitively for a league or, you know, playing college ball or something like that. I really wasn't in the condition to be able to do that. But again, like there's no real lingering effects besides normal body aches. And then when you start getting old, you just ache anyway. <laughs> I promise I'll be aching now and I'm only 30 years old. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I know that feeling like I almost um, drowned a couple times. Like he actually had to save my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is one of those things. I still haven't conquered my fear of learning how to swim. That's like on my bucket list. Do you know how to swim? Yeah. So I grew up swimming uh, on the swim team when I was in middle school. Yeah, so so yeah, I've always been in the pool. I gotta get there because my biggest fear is like me being at um, a pool or something with my kids, and one of them happened to fall in there, and I can't save them or I die trying to save them or something like that. Uh, you're turning the superwoman on that day. Like, you want to even think twice about it. Michael Phelps that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. So, um, I noticed you said that you, your dad is a preacher. So, because you know they have all these misconceptions about preachers' kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, Honestly, they say, like, y'all are kind of the worst. Y'all are, like, super bad. So did you, like, ever used to do things that was kind of unexpected of you as a preacher's kid or you just kind of kept it cool, did what you were supposed to do growing up? No, as a, you know, as a little itty-bitty boy, all boys are bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, all little boys are bad. Like, you know, you just get into stuff and be doing stuff that you're not supposed to do. But, you know, as I grew older, I wasn't a a bad kid like mm -hmm. I think I was too afraid of my parents to do anything like just significantly <laughs> crazy because my dad his his normal job is he worked for um the telephone company that's in our our little area so like he literally rolled around all day so it's like if I skip school he probably will pull up next to me and like where you going <laughs> so I really had those luxuries I was like uh yeah, I ain't even finna try this because I already know I'm gonna end up dead for real then. <laughs> but now, like looking back on it, were were your parents strict on you, or were they kind of just like kind of laid back, but kind of let you do whatever? Yeah, so my mom is the the more strict of the two. Uh, my dad is the is the more laid back person. My mom is the, you know, she's the stickler. So, you know, I get a little bit of it from both of them. I think I get a lot of my, um, me being a stickler from her, but I think I get my laid back personality from my dad. Mm. So, yeah. Um, do you have kids currently? No, I don't have any kids yet. Oh, do you want some? Absolutely. <sighs> gotta have, yeah, gotta have a legacy. <laughs> Most definitely. So I'm trying to tell my sister find her husband so we can, you know, procreate out here. <laughs> <laughs> so don't push her out there like that. I got so I want some nieces and nephews. I'm the only sibling with kids. I'm the youngest of uh, of everybody and I'm the only one that has kids. So of course my kids get the special grandparents treatment when they're with them. But they need some cousins. Yeah, I'm sure they probably like the you know, getting everything from their grandparents right now. So, oh, they love it. My daughter called me today. She was like, "We're having so much fun here at Granny and Papa." And I was like, "Girl, you can stay as long as you like. Trust me. Like, don't be in a rush to come back." <laughs> wow. <laughs> For real, kids are like though. I definitely think y'all should have some. Um, still, kind of tell us: Are you married? So I'm engaged. We'll be getting married on June the 5th. Oh, 
nice. Congratulations. Love black love. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a wedding photographer? Because she's the ultimate wedding photographer. She is the best. I keep <laughs> Yeah, we do. We do actually have a, a photographer that we've been working with, but I keep that in mind though. For anniversary pictures. Anniversary okay, pictures. gotcha. I have to take you up on that. <laughs> Some real estate branding photo. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's always an opportunity to take some good photos, so I think we can come up with something. Tell me about it just because it's Monday. Like, let's go take some pictures. Right. <laughs> so, how important would you say branding has been for your business? Um, like the use of professional photos and like professional marketing um, promotion. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the branding is is key because that's the that's the way that people remember you. So, whenever they think of just in time, like literally when they hear that phrase, I want them to think of me first. No matter if they say it, like, hey, I showed up just in time for X, Y, Z, they need to think back, oh, there's that boy right there. <laughs> so that's why, you know, that's where the branding is is key because you want them to always, literally, like, you want to be melted in people's brain for them to always think of you first. Yeah. So, like, if you see a Nike swoosh, you already know what it is. If you see some golden arches, you don't even have to see the name of it. You already know what it is. <laughs> that's the brand. Yeah. She actually does very good branding. She does all my photos and everything. Um, oh, yeah. Your you know, stuff always looks phenomenal. So. Like the, the top 15 or something social media agents, I think you were on there. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the company, but I think they do that that piece yeah. um, every year. So I think I've been able to kind of be highlighted for the last three years. Look at you, and I Google my way on there. <laughs> Well, look, you, you know, you do your thing on social media, so all your stuff looks phenomenal. And I always wonder who did it, so now we find out who the mastermind is. You know the secret. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's like I try to stick to my one photographer, because, you know, different photographers have different styles. Some people like something more light and scary. People like something mm -hmm. more dark, bunch of shadows. Um, but, yeah, I definitely try to stick to one person, so she helps a ton if you ever need her. Okay. <laughs> Which I did bring her on today because she is going to tell the audience a little bit about um, some calendars that we have. And we're using them um, with our team at Wiley Elite Homes. I have to go get them printed out. But she's going to show us they're like some giant quarterly planners that help kind of like map out your quarter and your year so we can be successful in 2021. So we'll let her tell us a little bit about that and kind of get into some questions there. Oh, wow. So, like, first of all, I hate doing this. Like, I hate talking about stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> so, I do. I have some calendars. What I do, I love to set goals and plans for the year. And I like to start setting these goals, like, before the new year starts. So, just sitting down, thinking about everything that I want to accomplish in the new year. And I have been doing this for maybe, like, three years. And it has worked for me. And so the plan is um, think about some things that you want to accomplish. You know, write these things down. Don't just have them in your head and say, oh, I'm going to remember what I'm going to do. Like actually write them down so you can see them. Like, for example, like two years ago, one of my goals was to get published, um, get my uh, work, w wedding work and engagement work published. And so I wrote that down. But I'm not going to say writing it down is the reason why I got published, but I had it written down and I was able to see that, oh, here's a goal to get published. So then I had to figure out what did I have to do to work in order to get published. So I knew that I needed to um, become a better photographer. I need to shoot better. I need to educate my clients. But I was able to do that because I had my goals written down. And so what I did, I have created some calendars. So I have like um, plans and goals. I'm going to show uh, show you all a picture of it. And so it's where you can just brain dump and you just put everything down that you think that you want to do throughout the year. And then I have my quarterly calendars where you go in deeper on the goals that you're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to get up. So. And here's an example of it right here on the screen. Yes, while I'm trying to set up so you all can actually 
And others are very affordable here. You know, definitely not trying to sell you on anything. But the purpose of the podcast is to enhance your spiritual, mental, and um, physical luxuries in life. I feel like we can't get anywhere without a plan. So whether this year, like your spiritual goals, um, relationship goals, you're getting married. So maybe y'all can write like some goals for the wedding or some things you guys want to accomplish on there. Um, these are like wall calendars, so they're super big. I don't know if y'all can see this. So these are like some of the calendars, and they're super big. You can get them printed out. Like it's it's your favorite printing um, stores, like Staples, um, FedEx. I did mine at Staples, and so I have them here in my office, and I'm just writing down um, things that I want to accomplish throughout the year. So, what are some things that you have on there? Ooh, so um, some things I'm not going to say because they're in the works. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll say one. I've had some people ask me about um, beginner photography classes. Uh, so I got some people asking me about that. So that's one of my goals um, is to actually host a beginner um, photography class. I have some branding clients who've been asking about that because they have cameras and they want to take their own pictures because they won't, I tell them, hey, they won't have me all the time to take, you know, pictures of their products and different things that they're using and selling within their business. So that's going to be one of the purpose of those classes. So if you have a camera and you're tired of your camera being a paperweight, then I may have something in the works for you. So that's one of my goals. And another goal is to get out more content for my um, branding clients and entrepreneurs. Oh, I love it. Wait, y'all, I'm trying to maneuver all this. There we go. <laughs> um, somebody said good because they want to learn. I don't know if y'all can see the comments to the right of the Um. But going back, somebody did say it is always wise to stay flexible to keep finances flowing while pushing toward your ultimate career slash business opportunity. I definitely agree with that. Um, so that's so Coco, you and I have a you and I have something in common as well. So when I first got into real estate, my best friend and I we actually had a um, a wedding photography and videography business. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what did you did you were you a photographer? So he was like the main photographer and I just kind of second shot a lot of the stuff, uh -huh. but I was doing most of the video. Oh, wow. So yeah. I've been doing it for like seven years. I like it. Like, I like it. I, I love teaching, but I like photography better now. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely something that's, you know, that's enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it. Because <laughs> you're photographing happy moments, like uh, of a milestone in somebody's life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I like when people purchase a house. I was so happy for my first client. She was so excited. She was like, I can't wait to get the keys. I was like, oh, I'm excited for you. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those things. I think it's good to have like a career that you love to where you can actually help people and kind of live um, out towards your purpose. Would you say um, you have a purpose in real estate? Yeah, so I mean, I think the I think the real estate is just a part of the purpose. You know, I don't think real estate itself is ideally the purpose, but it's just a part of the purpose. Is you know, real estate is really a platform for us to be able to connect with people and to really help people transform their lives. And I think that's probably the overall purpose real estate is just one of those ways that we can actually do that most definitely um so do you invest as well have you started like real estate investing or is that something yeah so I've, um, I've had a couple flips and we're in the middle of a renovation right now on a property that we're gonna keep uh we're gonna do like a short-term rental uh, airbnb and travel nurse type setup for it um also in the middle of trying to make a purchase on something is it's been uh, a uh, a journey <laughs> at best you know you're trying to get certain things done it's like everything just uh all the obstacles jump in your way but you're gonna get it to the closing table eventually what what would be um some advice to 
like people who want to get into real estate investment. Yeah, so like me, like I'm since I'm I have nothing to do with real estate. What? <laughs> yeah, so you're in a great position as a um, we would say as a W two employee. Because as a W-2 employee versus how Crispin and I are as self-employed people, you as a W-2 person have to go through less hoops in order to do financing than we do as self-employed people. So I say really use that to your advantage. You know, I see a lot of people, they'll use their first home as an investment, meaning that they may buy a house and at some point life changes, they get married. They have kids, they just want another house. You know, all of those things happen. They, their job transfers them elsewhere and they'll keep that house and end up using it as a rental property. So what you say, is that like your advice that you would give, like to keep the first house as like rental property? So I, I would say everybody's situation is different. However, uh, one of the main pieces I would say would be when you get ready to make that purchase, make it a smart purchase so there's something and without kind of going too technical there's something that's called your debt to income ratio mm -hmm. and if you max out that debt to income ratio with one purchase then you leave yourself no room in order to be able to do other things that you want to do like invest mm -hmm. so when you make that first purchase make it a smart purchase you know understand that i don't have to have a mansion right now you know i'm building towards something so I just want to get something that checks the boxes and puts me in a good area, all of those things. But I also want to stay flexible enough that I can go and do other things. So if you have a husband and wife combination, just make your main purchase in one person's income and then use the other person's income for investment opportunities. Or if you're a single person, like I have a, um, a fraternity brother, he's probably been in his home for about five years now. But there are a lot of guys from time to time that will live with him, like his cousins and stuff like that. And they'll pay rent to him to stay at his house. Honestly, you know, he may have, but to this day, I don't even know if he's made a mortgage payment out of his pocket yet. Look, that's <laughs> not he constantly has people staying with him all the time. Like he's a single guy. He doesn't have any kids. So when people stay with him, they just pay him room rent, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month and they can stay there. But in that situation, now he's not using his disposable income in order to make that payment. He's literally living in that house for free. That's good. So it's a lot of ways to, to make it happen. You know, yeah. just don't box yourself in thinking that it's one way in order to quote unquote invest. It's many ways for you to to invest and make something happen. That's what's one thing that, that she wouldn't go for. She don't like people coming to her house and staying, not even me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that strategy may not be be wise for her. Yeah, that may not be your strategy. <laughs> That's definitely though. Um, so like your flips, I know a lot of people and do like the properties and things like that. Um, so would you say it's wise for someone to take out like a business loan to do their first flip or should they do it just off of um, income that they already have? Or what would be your advice like from a realtor's perspective on that? Yeah, so I would say ideally, depending on your financial situation, you know, if you have the access to all the capital that you need, feel free to go for it. If you don't have all the capital that you need, it's okay to partner with someone. So that means that, you know, Crispin may purchase the house and Coco may fund the renovations and you all split the profit from there. You know, that would be, that's an ideal way or vice versa, you know. Coco, since she has the W-2 job, she purchases the house on financing. Crispin, since she has the real estate income and she may make an influx of income at one time, then she says, hey, I'm going to use this, these commission checks and we're going to fund the renovations because I had the cash coming in pretty quickly. And then once we finish up, we'll split it. Uh, if you need to take out loans, of course, having great credit always helps with that. So there are, like I said, there are numerous opportunities. Like the little... 
things that you get in the mail, like, hey, you've been approved for $50,000. Like, that's real money. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to use that type of money as well. However, if you're going to use loans like that or if you're going to use what we call hard money, those type situations, make sure that um, make sure that you have somebody that's also going to be involved, whether they're actually like partnering with you or not, a mentor or somebody that's going to help you work through that process because a lot of that stuff has very high interest rates and the longer you hold on to it, the more money that you're going to lose. So, you know, there, there are ways to work through it, but I would probably say for a first time investor, if they want to flip something, it may be wise to partner with somebody that's, that's already doing it. JC, you want to partner with me? Are you asking me? Yeah, you. <laughs> You're not doing it. He said partner with somebody who's doing it. <laughs> we can do it together. <laughs> Justin just said partner. And you know, you know, and it. some people think that a flip has to be like I bought the house for eighty thousand and I sold it for two hundred thousand. I mean, you may buy a house for twenty-five thousand dollars that needs some flooring and some paint and you guys go in and kind of put your touch on it. Like, hey, we're going to put some really nice finishes in here, but we're not going to spend a lot of money. Like you use your your de- decorating talents in order to make that house look really nice. And somebody's going to want to come behind you and buy it just because they didn't want to do the renovations on it. So it doesn't have to be, you know, I got to spend $200,000. It doesn't have to be that in order to be a flip. That's good advice. That is like if you guys are watching and you're definitely interested in buying or flip, you know, definitely get at Justin or myself. If you're in Mississippi, we can definitely refer you out to some other people. <laughs> but um, I love it though. So, um, what are your plans um, with Justin Time Realty for 2021? If you don't mind sharing those, yeah. So, as of now, it's just myself and um, our director of customer experience. So it's just the two of us at the moment. But for 2021, we are going to be expanding the team out. We're going to be bringing in other agents to uh, you know, help with our clients and help build the business as well as help them build their businesses. So that is the goal for 2021 as far as just expand the, the sales team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, my job as kind of like the team leader will be just creating additional opportunity for members on the team. Oh, most definitely. Well, if you can do better than what Steven's doing, holler at <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Look, don't do my boy Steven like that. Because you know he's white. Steven already know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the best, though. Um, you know, Steven, I care. He'd be like, take her, because she's going to ask you a thousand questions anyway. <laughs> but, um, I was watching a YouTube video probably like this summer or something about a girl building a business. And she said one of her biggest setbacks, um, something she should have done earlier that she didn't do was to expand her team and like add people on the team. So I said, wow, the shade is real. Like, (laughs) but, um, but she said one of her biggest setbacks and drawbacks was not expanding and not using the team. So at what point did you realize, like, hey, I need to get, um, you know, another person on the team to help me out or I need to expand um, for sales-wise? Yeah, I'm, I kind of always knew that it was going to come to this point just based on what I personally want to do. Um, you know, the goal is to build a sales team where the team is running itself and then I'm able to again, create other opportunity like development, different things of that nature where the team can also benefit from that as well. So I kind of always knew the vision was always to build it out. Um, I'm kind of like turning the Titanic on a lot of things, like my business coach and my team leader here, they'll tell you like, I'm very slow moving when it comes to certain things. I'm a very analytical person and I'm a, and I'm a perfectionist. So all of those things, caused me to move pretty slow on a lot of things but you know this year has just gotten to the point where i know like hey it's time to go ahead and make that jump it's time to go ahead and start building towards what you need to put in place in order to get everybody to the next level Mm -hmm. so what made you realize that this year um i mean 
you know, just as far as what I have to do on a day-to-day basis, the amount of deals that we tend to carry, um, amount of clients that we tend to work with, sometimes you start spreading yourself too thin. And when you spread yourself too thin, you're not able to offer the best service that everybody really deserves. Right. So that's when you kind of really start to understand, like, yeah, I've been kind of doing this on my own because I, I like being able to keep my hands on things. But in order to really be able to grow to the to the highest level, you have to bring in other people mm-hmm. in order to create the experience that you want for all of your clients. That's kind of like um, in the business I am when people talk about outsourcing. Like, what is something else that people can do that you don't have to do and you can do other things within your business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now that was so we brought on our um, director of customer experience. He's basically my assistant, but. She does. A, she's interacting with the with our clients quite a bit, and she's been with us about a year and a half now. Uh, and she's been a total blessing to our business. Really coming in and putting in structure in places that we need it. Um, kind of giving that feminine touch on a lot of things when it comes to the design, the look, the the care, all of those things that are necessary in order to make the business run at the highest level. So, you know, I, I'm really grateful to have her. However, we also need some other sales agents as well in order to really be able to start, you know, to start churning how we should. So, again, everybody can, can benefit from it. Yeah. It definitely takes a team. I try to get her to let me be the second shooter. She don't like the first. <laughs> she doesn't like to come to the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> She just likes being in front of the camera, not behind it. That's it. That's okay. That's it. I kind of figured that, but you confirmed that for me. <laughs> I let her get her practice on me so she can be perfect for everybody. Okay. I got you. That's the way to twist it. <laughs> that's all it is. Um, so, yeah. So, kind of back to you being engaged. That's so exciting. And we definitely don't want to get in your business. So, stop me if I start prying too deep. So, tell us, how did you meet your fiance? So, we met in, uh, we met while we were in college. Uh, it's a really funny story. But uh, we were, so my best friend and I, we grew up together across the street from each other back at home. And we both came to UAB together. So uh, there were some other people that was from kind of like our rival schools back from when we were home that were here. And she so happened to be with one of those young ladies. And when we were at the mall, we were talking to the person that we knew and she was there. We kind of struck up a conversation and the rest is history from there. Don't they make it sound like such a fairy tale? So I trust me, it's, it's 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 a lot of other stuff in the middle of that, but you know we want to put it at a very condensed form. <laughs> so I always ask people, I always have to ask, did she know you were going to propose? I think she, I think she kind of knew. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's at that point, like it shouldn't be no surprises. This should be something that we talked up leading up to. Some people are surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I'm too nosy for a surprise. I'll be like, so you were <laughs> doing what now? <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I absolutely love it, though. You know, congrats on that. We definitely wish you all a lifetime of love. Thank you. Thank you. You know, next time we'll have to bring her on the podcast so she can tell us how married life is after y'all tired or not. Okay. <laughs> I'll let her know. Most definitely. So it's been such a pleasure, Justin. Kind of tell our audience how they can reach you outside of here. Um, are you? Oh, first, before we do all of that, so kind of tell me your take on this new clubhouse wave that everybody's been on lately. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think, you know, clubhouse is just one, another opportunity for you to connect with people, I think, much faster. Like, Instagram is cool, but... Um, the interaction on Instagram is not as, I guess, fast as you can on Clubhouse. So once you enter a room, there may be 100 people in that room. And especially if you get on stage and you know you ask a question or if you're a moderator, those people start connecting with you via Instagram or Twitter or whatever you have tagged to that. Mm-hmm. 
and your connections can grow so much faster through that platform than just, you know, on Instagram by itself. Yeah, because Instagram can be kind of tricky with the algorithms nowadays, like how you have to post stuff, you have to really interact and like and comment in order to kind of boost yourself to the top for people to see it. Um, so I'm interested in seeing how that's going to play out. Do you think it's going to be beneficial in the real estate world? I know it's like being a real estate investor is really good. I've heard like a lot of conversations from some good people that invest a lot. But as far as like getting buyers or sellers, do you think that's going to play a major role? Yeah, I think so. I've had an opportunity to, um, to moderate a couple panels, just be on a couple panels uh, that I was invited on to speak from a sales aspect, whether it be like, you know, financing, uh, whether it be about buying your first home, marketing, different things like that. So everybody on there is not, you know, maybe everybody that's in the room is not a real estate agent. Um, but even if they are, you know, there are people from all over the country. So those are great referral opportunities for you to build. And they're like, hey, I have a cousin that's in Birmingham or I have a family member that's in Birmingham. I need to connect them with somebody. And boom, you're the person that they know. So now you've created a, a deal that you never would have gotten without having that connection. Wow. I love it. It's just so much innovations going on. Like I, people tell me to get more active on TikTok and now this is coming out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done the TikTok thing, so I can't I can't really speak to that. It <laughs> looks fun. But you know, you gotta dance and I don't know, but they say that's definitely a way to kind of get in front of a broad audience on like TikTok and using the reels on Facebook now and things like that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, well, we definitely appreciate you. So, tell us how we can connect with you on social media. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I'm on Instagram, I'm Mr. Justin Time. Facebook. Uh, my business page is Justin C. Williams Realtor, or you can just find me at Justin Williams on my personal page. LinkedIn, Justin Williams. Uh, since we're talking about Clubhouse, Mr. Justin time. So those are all the ways that you can reach me on social media. Most definitely. I have a comment here and says he hit those high notes when he proposed. Don't tell us you sang a little song when you did it. <laughs> Let me see who's in the comments on here. Did you sing? Or they just I make did. it? Okay. Being messy. Oh, okay. Y'all give us a little snippet of what you sang. Now, see, we can't do that now. We <laughs> Come on, we can, she can get on the piano. <laughs> I have to, I have to say that for the next podcast. Oh yeah, we're you gonna. Know, have I gotta to... warm my, warm my vocals up and stuff like that. You know, I told, didn't I tell y'all before we got on that she was gonna hit me with something that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> there it is, right there. Oh, <laughs> okay, when we come back and have so looks like karaoke, you'll be the first one we call. <laughs> okay, I have to be ready then. Almost definitely. Hey, if you really got it, you got it. I'm a rapper. People don't know that about me, but I think your sister says otherwise. <laughs> you know, it's I'm always. A, I'm gonna take hater. her word for that. You know, it's always a hater, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks you guys for tuning in. We definitely appreciate you. The replay will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and you know any other major podcast and streaming services. If you would like to be on the So Lux Life podcast, shoot me an email, um, info at soluxlife.com. Follow us on social media. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps. Okay, you guys? <laughs> See you guys later. Yeah.